Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. The history of the nurse anesthesia profession suggests that regardless of the challenge or crisis facing it, the right person at the right time with the right message was chosen by the membership to lead. This segment of our podcast is entitled The Courage to Lead. We are pleased to highlight some of these contemporary visionary leaders. We want to express gratitude to all and give encouragement to those that will accept the challenge in the future. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Well, Sharon, good morning. We are back together in the Windy City. Here we are, the AANA Annual Congress. I've not missed but one in 29 years. Wow, 29 years. Yeah, I said it. I'll leave that one alone, Sharon. I said it. Well, at least 29 (laughs) was in there somewhere. You know, that's That's how old I am. There you go. That's right. I love it. (laughs) Well, we have a special guest with us today, Mr. Terry Wicks. And Terry, goodness gracious, your bio reads like the who's who of nurse anesthesia. I mean, you know, I could tell everybody about this, but they probably already know all this about you. Well, um, I've been around the block a time or two. <laughs> Met a few people here and there along the way. Yes. It's yes. all been fun. A president, obviously, and that's the reason you're here this morning because this is your brainchild, Sharon, the Presidential Leadership Series. And tell us a little bit about your thoughts around this. Well, you know, a lot of people don't realize what has happened in the past. And the only way that we can learn and go forward is to look back just a little bit and as we've been gathering the planning sheets from these past presidents that we're going to have in this series as I read through what happened during their year I was there during part of it and I had forgotten so if Hmm. I've forgotten I'm sure other people have forgotten and I would say that I'm a pretty plugged in member right but it's always interesting to go back and see what has happened yeah, and a lot's happened during your time, Terry. I remember meetings being at with you and NBCRNA stuff was up and you being up on the stage, you and Chuck and people tossing stuff at you, you know, I mean, you've been through a lot and, and now you're NBCRNA president coming up in September, right? Right, yeah. yeah Great so. opportunity for me. Well, yes. if I can have a 
moment of personal privilege. I have a story about Terry Wicks. Uh-oh. Can you say it on the air? <laughs> Absolutely, you can. I was kind of an upstart at the time. Terry was president of the North Carolina Association of Nurse Anesthetists, and this was back in the late 90s, so that was a number of years ago. And I was his PR committee chair, and I presented before his board of directors. I had this new idea to do a video and it was called the best kept secret in healthcare and they funded it and it was ten thousand dollars to do the video and that was a lot of money for a state association at the time and terry said it's happening and north carolina won the pr award for the very first time in its history with that and terry stood behind me and there was some discord in our state association about that large amount of money especially from our finance committee chair and he tried to put a stop to it and terry was my knight in shining armor and said absolutely not we gave her the permission and she's going to do it and it sure did feel good to win didn't it (laughs) yeah it was a wonderful experience i'll tell you to stand up on the stage and get that award for our state and then to see that video being played before the members and the ovation that that got it really gave me a warm feeling in my heart and reinforced my confidence that we had done the right thing and it's still on the website wow well, good times. So you two have a lot of history, and of course I've known both of you for many years. But And now, Terry, you, you're also taking on a new endeavor at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that's a really exciting thing for me. I have always loved teaching. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was up at the University of New England helping them out with some regional anesthesia workshop materials for their students. And I got home, and I said to my wife, I said, Honey, I really want to go back to school and get my DMP. I want to teach. <laughs> she, she said, how much have you drank, Terry? <laughs> she looked at me and said, well, you've been complaining about this for 10 years. Why don't you just go ahead and do it? And so I enrolled at the University of Iowa and got my DNP and started in January at the University of North Carolina Greensboro, which has uh, adopted what was the Raleigh School of Nurse Anesthesia. So I taught a couple of pharmacology courses this spring, and, and the students are energetic, and they're interested, and they're just so much fun to be around, and I, that's probably put another five years on my career. I really love it. Really? Yeah. Well, Great. I'm sure you're an excellent educator. I would like to have had you as one of my professors. <laughs> of course, I've learned an, uh, plenty from you without you being my professor. So let's talk about some of the things that did happen during your AANA presidential year. So just give us a synopsis of the big big things that happened. Well, we really had a, a busy year, and most of the things that occurred during my presidency were were very positive. A couple of years before I assumed the office of the presidency, the American Association of Colleges of Nursing had wanted all advanced practice nurses to enter practice with a doctoral degree. And there was obviously some controversy about that. It's a big step. But Frank Maziarski, during his year, had appointed a task force to evaluate that. Uh, Many communities of interest were interviewed about that, and they brought their report to our board, and our board unanimously adopted that. And we presented that at the annual meeting at the Assembly of School Faculty, and generally, uh, it was well accepted. And right now, we're on the threshold of having all of our programs offer a doctoral degree for entry. So that's a big thing. And, you know, when I tell people, you're never going to know how successful your presence is for 10 years and so it's really really uh, it's uh, heartwarming to see that has come to fruition 
One of the other things that happened that's really had a lot of resonance in our, our profession is that Jeff Butler and I and Wanda Wilson were negotiating the contracts with the Council on Certification and Recertification of Nurse Anesthetists. And that was a difficult negotiation. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of problems that had to be solved because the AANA shared employees with those organizations. And in the middle of that, those two organizations are incorporated into what is now the NBCRNA. Mm -hmm. But we got those contracts signed, and I think that has paved the way for what has become I think this, the diamond in recertification for advanced practice nursing, and that's a continuing professional certification system that we have on board. But one of the things that we did during my year that I thought was the most fun was Chris Betton and I got our heads together. and We wanted to find a better way to communicate with our members and let them know that was going on above and beyond the regular print that they got. So we sat down and we thought, well, let's do what now would be called a podcast. And so we created Off the Cuff and a Chicago personality would call me when I was on the road or at home or wherever I was and I'd give them an update and be recorded and that would be on the website for for members to listen to and so that seems like maybe it's groundbreaking we didn't think of it that way at the time just thought it was a good idea and so that was great but there were a couple challenges during my year as well and uh, at a very busy time during my travels in the spring of 2007 I was at the uh, meeting in Washington, D.C., and my mother called me in the middle of a meeting that I was having with negotiating with these councils and told me that my brother had been hospitalized in Anchorage, Alaska with pancreatitis. Oh, my goodness. And so I called him and talked to him, and then I had to fly to Hilton Head in South Carolina and then flew to Hawaii, and I kept calling him, and every time I called him, he sounded more and more sick. And he said to me, uh, one of the last times I spoke with him, that he had had a conversation with his physician and his physician didn't know if he was going to survive that experience and in fact he did pass away while I was in Hawaii and so that was a pretty difficult time but I was so warmed because I got just enormous support and emotional support from the board of directors that I was serving with at that time and so even though that was a you know obviously a difficult time it reinforced the support and the love that we have for each other in this profession and so that was uh, difficult. Must be something about when you're in leadership positions because you had, when you were state president, you also, your son had some issues that <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> had to be dealt with. So, yeah. what is it? I hope next year when you're president of NBCRNA, this is not a recurring theme for you. Yeah, everything, everything's going to go super smooth. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't anticipate we'll have no. any trouble at all. Now, I just want to yeah. clarify for the listeners Terry was president in 2006 to 2007 of the AANA, just so that yeah. we can give us a, a time stamp there. But another reason why we want wanted to do this series is so people would know the names. I tell some of these students all the time, you have no idea who is sitting beside of you and what those people have done. Whenever we first started podcasting, we were down at the North Carolina State meeting and we, Sandy and Nancy, Sandy Marie Ouellette and Nancy Bruton Marie were there and we did the podcast with them and all these students had no idea who they were what they had done and I said you know these kids have been walking by I'm sitting in the bar thinking well it's just 
two old ladies sitting in a bar <laughs> and had no idea who they were. Yeah. So, you know, I've been walking through the crowds here and I'll speak and somebody will say, oh, you're Sharon Pierce from the podcast. So they'll recognize your voice. Yeah. Yeah, of course, it. mine is fairly recognizable because <laughs> it's in 33 speed. <laughs> but they'll recognize your voice. You know, that's one of the things that's just been so rewarding for me throughout my career by being involved in the ANA and the accessibility of leaders and their willingness to engage with members and students. That's what really got me fired up was going to an annual meeting and seeing leaders who I'd read about and seen pictures. And here they were in the halls of these meetings and they were engaged mm-hmm. with just you know day-to-day work in CRNAs and the warmth and the enthusiasm that they had and sitting behind Dick Willette and at that time Sandy Marie in the audience and having them turn around and shake hands with me and welcome me to the profession, it just lit a fire under me. And I think that's as much as anything the thing that got me going. And John Gard would never (coughs) forget your name. No, and in fact, I met him at a fall assembly when I was just getting started in leadership and he approached me and introduced himself to me and I told him who I was and where I lived and he asked about my family and I walked away and I didn't see him again until almost a year later at annual meeting and he approached me at that meeting called me by my name asked me how my family was wow. it and was I thought, amazing wow yeah wow. what it, a guy it was truly I, I've got amazing. a friend like that it just makes you feel I mean he remembers Stupid. everybody's <laughs> names their kids names everything about you and I'm like Jimmy I, I, I mean I, I'm sorry I don't remember your kids names but you know you don't remember your kids' names. <laughs> it depends on the day, Sherry. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Terry, what did you enjoy most about being a and president? Well, I think the best part of it for me was just getting out on the road and meeting the members. And I found out so much about our profession by getting out on the road and seeing people. Mm. And, you know, true confessions here, when I was in training in the Army, I was told that, you know, Army CRNAs were the best trained and, you know, the elite. And what I found out from traveling from this country, from Maine to Florida and California and Hawaii and the Midwest, is that everywhere I went, I met nurse anesthetists who were practicing cutting-edge anesthesia. They were taking care of babies in the middle of the night. They were taking care of trauma victims in remote corners of Iowa and Nebraska. They were doing the big cases in the medical centers in Baltimore and Philadelphia and Los Angeles, doing a little surfing in Hawaii. <laughs> but uh, it was fabulous. And that really ha- that has carried with me even through today. So oftentimes when there are discussions about, you know, what do we do need to do about this problem, I never lose sight of the fact that we have to take care of CRNAs that are in independent practice in rural areas and critical access hospitals because they're really setting the bar of practice for everyone in the profession. And that, that's a great lesson for me at that time and has stuck with me till today. Well, speaking of traveling around the United States and meeting CRNAs, tell about how it really is for an AANA president some weekends. <laughs> Boy, yeah. A couple of years ago, Tony Chippis and I got together because we were concerned about presidential wellness. A lot of folks, when they leave office, they carry some scars with them. And part of the challenge of being the a president is you spend a lot of time on the road. And I think during my president-elect year and my year as president, I was probably away from home anywhere from 38 to 40 weekends during that year. Wow. So a lot of fatigue, 
a lot of waking up, looking out the window, wondering what town you're in. <laughs> and your family suffers because of that. You know, uh, my wife was tremendously supportive. She loved what I was doing. But there were times when I would get home on Sunday night and we'd be laying in bed and the dog would be looking at me and she'd say something to me and I'd start to answer and fall asleep in the middle of the sentence. <laughs> so we realized, Tony and I, that we really needed to do something to help press presidents stay healthy and so a lot of the initiatives that you see now with celebration of the the presidents and there's an opportunity for them to get some counseling when they exit and the support that they receive has really been born from tony and i uh, working on that together i think i was gone about 180 days during my presidential during my presidential year so i understand my husband showed up at the airport one time with a sign with my picture on it that said has anyone seen this woman (laughs) you can't miss her she's tired and blonde (laughs) and they thought i worked for tsa (laughs) because i was always at the airport Mm. so any other happenings during your year that you would like to share any other issues we had been in in i wouldn't call them negotiations but conversations with the leadership of the american society of anesthesiologists they were really concerned concerned about us adopting a doctoral entry degree. Oh, uh, sure. They thought, you know, we would fool patients and tell them that we were doctors or physicians or what have you. And I said to Mark Lima, who's a, a mm-hmm. very nice man that I got to know, I said, Mark, why would I want some patient to think I was a physician and not give my own profession credit for that? Right. And interestingly enough, that conversation happened at a meeting here in Chicago on the day that my daughter was in labor to have my first grandchild. And my telephone rang, and I looked at it. It was my wife, and I knew my daughter was due. And I picked up the phone, and she said, Terry, Terry, you've got to talk to Melissa. Something's wrong with her epidural. And so I got her on the phone, and I said, Melissa, what's going on? She said, well, I'm real numb up on one side. I said, have they turned the epidural off? And she said, yes. I said, it's going to be okay. I got to the airport in Charlotte, and I called my wife, and it was chaos in the background. It sounded like they were having a party. And I said, what's going on? She goes, Melissa's pushing. And I said, well, call me when the baby's born. (laughs) And I drove to Raleigh the next day, getting ready to go to the fall assembly in Salt Lake City, and held that baby for the first time. And I think that was the first time I cried since I was 12 years old. It was just so wonderful. Well, that's not been the last time now, because you've got more grandchildren. Yeah, they all make me cry. Usually the bills. (laughs) But no, I think, you know, the conversations that we had with the ASA and, of course, the wonderful gift of having a brand new baby in our family were just unforgettable experiences. Now, you were involved in the Thought Bridge. Yes. Tell us a little bit about Thought Bridge. I don't think people realized that that occurred. Yeah, that actually, uh, Thought Bridge was the result of Tom McKibben reaching Mm -hmm. out to the leadership of the ASA. And ThoughtBridge was an organization that actually was responsible for developing the detente, if you will, between Egypt and Israel in the 67 war. Jimmy Carter brought them together. No way. And and, and with, uh, with ThoughtBridge. So we thought, well, if ThoughtBridge can get the Israelis and the Arabs to talk. Surely they can get the CRNAs and the physicians to talk. So were we their only failure? (laughs) (laughs) It seems like. Uh, But anyway, that went on for several years, and it was very productive. But I think there's residual differences between our two organizations and how we view the role of CRNAs in the world that persists today. And it'll be a challenge to negotiate those things going forward. Right. 
So what advice would you give to an incoming AANA president, Terry? That's an interesting question because oftentimes when you first ascend to the office of the presidency, you're a little bit confused about what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And there's often problems left over from your predecessors, and there are new problems on the horizon that your staff is telling you are coming up. And I think my thought really has two pieces. One is take advantage of your staff. Mm-hmm. We have excellent staff in the AANA. We always have, and we seem to attract the best and the brightest everywhere from our financial officers to our public relations folks. And the other thing that's a little bit hard to wrap your head around is to commit in your heart to always do the right thing. If you always do the right thing, the rest is easy. And don't listen to those strident voices that maybe have a hidden agenda or would have you do something on their behalf that doesn't serve the association well. But that's really, uh, that's why I said, do the right thing and you'll sleep better at night. So Terry, in what way did your experiences shape your participation in the ANA after you left office? Well, you know, we had talked a little bit about presidential wellness earlier, and one of the experiences that I had that really sort of woke me up was I went to the annual meeting the year after I had left office and wanted at her business meeting. Uh, It was a little bit of controversy there, and I realized sitting there that I was really angry. And that surprised me because I had thought I'd had a great time as ANA president, traveling and meeting people, but I think I had just a little touch of PTSD. And that's when we and we, Tony and I, mm-hmm. decided we needed to really look at this. And we sent out a survey to all the past presidents who were alive and some that maybe weren't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did they vote? <laughs> yeah. 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 You get to vote whether you're alive or dead. And, and so we realized that at that time that we needed to address some of those issues. But then another interest for Tony and I was wellness in general. And I had the pleasure of meeting and working with Art Zwirling, Mm -hmm. who was a tremendous advocate for the recovering community of CRNAs who'd been troubled by alcohol or a drug addiction. So Art and I worked together very hard to convince the Council on Accreditation to include wellness education and awareness of the risks of chemical dependency to our students so that they knew when they were coming into practice that this was a risk that existed, that it could jeopardize their careers, and it's so dangerous. Don't even try it once. Know what's out there because even at that time, we realized from some really good data that probably one in 10 or maybe one in eight CRNAs during the course of their career succumb to chemical dependency. And tragically, we don't find out about that until we find them dead in the call room or at home, or they realize the depths of their despair and take their own life. And, you know, these are the best, the brightest people in our profession, and we can't afford to lose them. Right. Clearly, this is a passion of yours. It is. And, you know, probably a little bit of that is a reflection of, of what happened to my brother because his pancreatitis that ultimately took his life was a result of alcohol abuse. I had friends throughout my career who've gotten into trouble. And the thing that's really stunning about that is CRNAs are so smart and so clever, they hide that until right. it becomes so obvious that it can't be disguised and it's usually people that you would never suspect one of my friends that i rode to work with every day when i was in hawaii had a problem with chemical dependency and i discovered that after i'd left and the other element that sometimes gets overlooked is 
it's easy to characterize people that get into trouble with chemical dependency as you know people use bad judgment or they're not good people but oftentimes the foundation of that chemical dependency is in chronic pain physical pain an injury that they've had that has persisted or even worse emotional pain that they're not addressing so we need to keep our students aware of those risks we need to reinforce that throughout their career and have them recognize that depression or mental illness or those challenges they can reach out there's help for them and and take care of themselves so that they can take care of their patients better so speaking of young CRNAs, what advice would you like to share with new CRNAs coming into oh, the profession? Oh, be careful. Oh, be careful. <laughs> Come on, Grandpa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, students today are uh, super bright kids, and going to school is expensive. They can't work. Oftentimes, they have tremendous debt when they graduate, but they also have these great paychecks they haven't had for years and years and years. (laughs) And so the temptation is always there to get that big house and a a big car and get yourself in debt and you think to yourself, well, I can just work an extra shift this week and I'll get a little bit extra money to take care of that. And then pretty soon, you're not working an extra shift to get a little extra money to do something you want to, you work in extra shifts because you have to because you've accumulated all this debt. So what I would suggest to students when they graduate, take it slow. Get a handle on your finances, get a plan, take care of your finances so that uh, you don't get in trouble down the road and have to work. Well, Terry, I, I preach that all the time. Of course, you know, these CRNAs that come out nowadays aren't coming out with twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 in debt. They're coming out with $200,000. Right. You know, that's a big hurdle, even even at a nice income of 160, 170, that's still a lot of money to owe. You know, that's another mortgage. So I think that's great advice, especially. So, Terry, if you could do anything else, I mean, you've done so much, you know, what other profession would you want to be part of before you're off this uh, round spear? Yeah, well, it's not a secret. If you were a a president or if you're a leader you like attention oh no 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 no, no that's true I, well oh, for wow. some, some of us some. of course you were the first one to email me back whenever i talked about doing this series terry was like yes <laughs> that's right so i think uh you know sometimes in my wildest dreams i think it'd be fun to dabble into acting or maybe be a dj and and in the last couple years i've been involved in playing music with a group of uh physicians and nurses are aware where I live and we had the pleasure last summer of opening it up live at the Conover Live Festival in, in Newton and playing music for an hour in front of uh, you know hundreds of people that was really great so you what's know, the any- name of your band? The Volatile Agents. Oh, yes. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, I uh, like being out front. So I would, I think I would have liked to try a little bit of acting sometime. Be well, a thespian. Acting, is yes, it ever? Yes, well, there's still time. Maybe, Maybe there, there is. is. That's right. Yeah. Your next career. Your yeah, next endeavor. Right. Well, like I said before we started, I you guys sound, have great radio voices. You have a, a great radio voice yourself. Yeah, this is my on-call telephone voice. Uh, Anesthesia, this is Mr. Wicks. Can I help you? (laughs) 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 My job to sound awake. (laughs) Uh, Well, this has been great, Terry. Enjoyed it. Any parting shots you'd like to kind of leave folks with as we conclude here? 
Well, I, I would just say, you know, I, I hope everyone who enters this career has enjoyed it as much as I have. It's made me a rich person personally. I've made friends early in my career that I still am close to today. So as you enter this career, young folks, take advantage of the, the opportunities that you have. Be the best CRNA that you can. Take care of your patients like your own family. And by all means, every day, take care of yourself. Absolutely. Well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. I believe it is. We want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mask with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you're a fan, please subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us, leave us a review, but only if it's positive. That's right. No negative feedback. And please share episodes on social media to get the word out. It's a wrap. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support.